all you beautiful listeners of our Saturday DFS special podcast. If you haven't figured it out by now, we taped this bad boy on Thursday. So the news that Taysom Hill was not going to be starting for the New Orleans Saints had not yet broken when we recorded this. So please keep that in mind as you listen to this episode when we do talk about Taysom Hill in our quarterback section. Now, my good buddy TJ did bring up the possibility of Trevor Simeon. So we were kind of aware this could happen, but our hypothetical analysis on Taysom Hill is obviously not relevant. He's probably not a pretty good play considering he is not starting, even if he does do his Taysom Hill things. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right. Hello. Welcome to another Saturday DFS podcast special. I'm Matt Harmon from Yahoo. I've got TJ Hernandez from four for four here. TJ, what's going on, buddy? Mr. Harmon, welcome to uh, what what used to be our halfway point in the season. Now we still have to wait uh, what a, another another week to officially be halfway done, or I don't know what the math is anymore. It's odd numbers now. Well, yeah, it is very confusing because now we are in odd numbers um, <laughs> from a fantasy angle, and that also trips it up too because it's like okay for redraft leagues, do we stop? Ca- Obviously, like everybody's playoffs <laughs> are different, but it's like when do we officially stop caring, you know, for traditional seasonal leagues? Like when do the weekly shows stop this, that, or the other, obviously for daily fantasy, you know, we can ride this thing all the way until the end. You know, you can literally do single game slates for the Super Bowl, buddy. I plan on it. I plan on playing through, uh, through the middle of February. That's what I'm talking about. Well, that's why this whole daily fantasy thing is so exciting. But, uh, yeah, we, as you mentioned, we are, Heading into week nine, uh, the pseudo maybe sort of kind of halfway point. Um, any big picture takeaways from you either heading into this week or maybe like, uh, you know, professionals, we can do a little halfway through the season check in here. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there's anything like at the halfway point. I'm always kind of if we're talking about like player or, or team trends, I, I kind of like to look at like four to six week chunks, just depending on, on what we're looking at. So I, I think at the very least, maybe this is where some of our like season long data kind of starts falling by the wayside. We start looking mm-hmm. at, at some uh, more shorter range stuff For, from a DFS perspective. Um, one thing that I, I've noticed popping up now that we do have an eight game sample of, of big tournaments. One, one thing that we've really seen popping up, we talk about correlations and stacking all the time. In half PPR scoring, especially one of the most popular correlations is we've talked about running back defense. Everybody knows about quarterbacks with wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Running backs with an opposing pass catcher has really been pos- popping up in in um, high scoring tournament lineups, and and it, it's supported by data. If we look at the something like the four for four correlation tool, we actually see in in high scoring games, games with fifty point over unders, the team that's favored, their running back actually correlates stronger with the opposing pass catchers than the quarterback does with the opposing pass catchers and it really makes sense especially in half ppr scoring right because if you're thinking about game flows it's really hard to have a true shootout where both offenses are going off right that, that right. you have to have a lot of things to go right for that to happen including the offense being good for a team to feature a running back or get ahead just enough to feature their running back and the other team have to throw a little bit more than usual that's probably going to occur a more on a weekly basis. So it does make sense to be targeting some of these running back with opposing pass catcher stacks a little bit more often in our tournament lineups. I think that makes complete sense. Cause like you said, you're basically working with a pretty thin margin for error. If you're, you know, stacking up one quarterback with his top receiver, running it back with somebody else, especially if you're going to do like two pass catchers from one team yeah. and then running it back, everything like that. You're, you're really banking on, um, I guess last week with Stafford and then, you know, Cooper Cup, and then you run it back sure. with Brandon Cooks. That ended up working out, but dude, the Texans were doing absolutely nothing until Stone garbage right. time in that one. So there's a lot of ways that could have gone wrong. Yeah, and and a lot of times it's like we have the Rams and, and not so much the Chiefs right now, but usually it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we have this one offense that we double stack and you could bring back, uh, you know, a pass catcher. Maybe there's two in a week, but if one or two things goes wrong in those games, it's just really hard to nail down. Like just that single running back opposing pass catcher, it just keeps popping up more and more. And I think that has a lot to do with people are just building sharper lineups and, and yeah, venturing out sure. beyond the traditional stack. So we're seeing it pop up more often, but I, it's just one of those things. I, I think when, when you see it at the top, I, I don't know like that, like the average player is necessarily building those things. And yet um, it usually is like probably a full season of lag time before the field starts catching up to, to what the sharp players are doing. 
I am a big fan of the quarterback and his running back, you know, stacked together just because you're trying mm-hmm. to access then like all of the touchdowns. And I think it probably works actually with the with the Rams offense, like, you know, Stafford yep. and Daryl Henderson. I think that can be a pretty yes. popular one. But same thing, though, you are still working with a pretty thin margin for error there, because what if Stafford throws four touchdowns and Daryl Henderson gets nothing? You know, kind of kind of sure. what happened against uh, the Lions a little bit, too. Like if you played Daryl Henderson in that one, it's like, OK, that went all right, but it could have gone a lot better than that. And uh, if you're trying to win a tournament, obviously, you're really trying to maximize upside, which is fine. You can take these risks. But again, there is a lot of downside, as you're mentioning. Yeah, I think we do have a, a really good quarterback, running back, wide receiver stack this week, but we'll get to that. Boom. Well, then let's get right into it. Let's waste no more time. Let's talk quarterbacks, TJ. Uh, lead us off with your first pick here. Uh, Taysom Hill at $22 really pops Whew. in four for fours <laughs> uh, value generator this week. Um, I wrote in my show notes in uh, alternating capital and lowercase letters, Simeon might be involved. Uh, that feels to me like, like we saw reports come out, Sean Payton's playing it close to the vest. Uh, Taysom Hill hasn't got to practice yet. I mean, this is Sean Payton with Taysom Hill. He's going mm-hmm. to, you know, he's going to give Taysom his, all of those snaps, all of those running opportunities from quarterback, all the little gadget things that, that Payton likes to do with Hill. He's, he's not their traditional quarterback that, that needs to know the offense inside and out. And obviously he's going to be throwing, you know, the ball to his pass catchers and and maybe Simeon gets in for a couple of plays, but I'm not buying the idea that Hill just isn't the, the primary quarterback um, in this game against the Falcons. And, and there doesn't seem to be concern um, over whoever starts a quarterback. If we look at the betting lines, the, the Saints are favored by six over the Falcons. They have an implied point total of 24 points. And if we do assume that Hill is going to at least get the majority of the quarterback snaps. He had four starts last year with Breeze out. He averaged over 22 fantasy points per game. Obviously, a huge portion of that is his running ability, over 50 yards per game uh, uh, in that stretch. In three of those games, I, I said here that his three normal games because last year he had that weird Kindle hitting that quarterback game against the yeah. Saints where just nobody really played offense in that game. But in the other three games, he had over 230 passing yards, Taysom Hill did, and multiple passing touchdowns in two of those games. So against a, a struggling um, Atlanta defense, I, I like. Even if Hill's like getting, even if he gets 80% of the quarterback snaps, which we never talk about with quarterbacks, he's going to run so much. I, I, I think he's a fine play down at 22 bucks. Yeah, his two biggest games last year came against these very Atlanta Falcons, obviously different coaching staff, everything like that. But the Falcons defense is no better this year than it was in any of those uh, Dan Quinn years. So it's fine. I think I think Taysom Hill at twenty two dollars. By the way, I I kind of assume, you know, like you, that Trevor Simeon, if he's involved, it's extremely minimal. I mean, Taysom Hill is a guy that they sort of kind of paid like they obviously like a lot you know sean payton wants this whole thing to work with Taysom hill so i i do think generally yeah yeah that's a great point yeah that rest of the way i mean this is this is going to be the guy and plus they like i don't know can they really do a two quarterback system this is a team that might make the playoffs they just beat the bucks like can this is (laughs) (laughs) i really think they kind of have to find a solution here uh so it's it's rather risky obviously the Taysom hill thing but Mm -hmm. um from a fantasy angle, it's really not because he does run the ball so much. Speaking of not risky at all, I guess this goes against our theory uh, from last week, but I do really like Josh Allen again at $40 playing against Jacksonville. They're so, so bad. Uh, they're 32nd in explosive pass rate allowed. Um, I'm cool with Josh Allen. I'm cool with any of his pass catchers. Um Stefan Diggs, from an opportunity standpoint, is still right there. $27. I think he's actually cheaper than he was last week. Um, totally okay going back to him. I'm also okay going back to Emmanuel Sanders after a straight zero at $17. So really, uh, I just want to m- mention Josh Allen here to talk about basically any of the, any of his pass catchers, any of him. Uh, I'm cool this week, uh, You know, even though he is ex- the most expensive quarterback on the slate. Yeah, we have talked about that that percentage of of uh, salary compared to some of the other sites and how high it is for the top players, specifically quarterback. But Josh Allen, I mean, his if you look at his fantasy points per game, he is up to number one in fantasy points per game at quarterback. Those first two weeks were like he he started out slow against Pittsburgh, then the next week he was like good, but they they won by a lot. 
since week three, he's averaging like 30 Yahoo points per game. One of my yeah. like bold predictions going into the season is that Josh Allen breaks the fantasy points per game record. And if he keeps pacing like he has over the past five weeks, he's actually on pace to take over that that throne from Lamar a couple of years ago. So, I mean, he's he's yeah. So he's at that like unmatched fantasy point pace right now. So the salary is kind of um, it's you kind of take that that percentage salary with a grain of salt because Josh Allen just over the last five weeks is putting up ungodly fantasy numbers. Yeah, I mean, like Patrick Mahomes, maybe not in, in this week, but generally has been right about the same. You know, he's been at yep. that $40 range previously. And like, yeah, if you're paying $40 for Patrick Mahomes in this current environment, yeah, you're doing it wrong. But I still think Josh Allen's worth it. It's crazy, by the way, that you mentioned that he's on pace to break this record or if he continues to pace this way, he will break that record because objectively the offense is not as good as it was last year. Sure. Like they're not sure. firing on all cylinders, which also I think just gives you more, you know, peace of mind that actually better days still could be ahead. Yeah. Because it's, it's really crazy to think about. Like he hasn't had that like crazy nuclear game. He had the four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, but like, you know, quarterbacks can hit like the, the 40 fantasy point mark in a game. Yeah. He even might, might have one or two of those. Like his touchdown rate through the air isn't like astronomical. He still has like when, when Lamar Jackson or even like uh, Aaron Rodgers last year, th- those guys need like 9% touchdown rates to do what they've done. And, and Josh Allen hasn't even approached that yet. So he hasn't technically really even caught fire yet. So if they do, I mean, things could get, like really crazy with this offense. Yeah, Diggs could have a three touchdown game at any point, like he did against the Patriots last year. Like those are all within Absolutely. the range of outcomes. Yep. So um yep. yeah, we're we're on the same page there. Tell me about your second quarterback pick, actually the guy that we just mentioned, uh the previous or the current record holder for fantasy points per game. Yep, my high price guy this week is Lamar Jackson, and you're getting him at a, a $4 discount to Josh Allen. Lamar priced at $36 on Yahoo. Uh, the Ravens are one of three teams with an implied point total at 28. The Chiefs are in that mix, but uh, with the, the news of, of Aaron Rodgers, all of the point expectation dropped in that game. So uh, Baltimore is like in that, that second tier after the Bills and the Cowboys in terms of point expectation this week. Over the last five games, the Ravens and the Vikings, both top six in plays per game. So this is a game that could pace up. They do both have an overtime game in there, so it's slanted a little bit. But still, to be to be that high in plays per game is pretty promising. And Baltimore has, um, su- surprisingly, we if we look at the season-long numbers, Baltimore is still very high in run rate. But of course, that, that includes all of Lamar's rushing. In that five-game span, they're actually above average in passing rate over expectation. So we've seen Lamar's uh, pass attempts per game go up, and uh, he's obviously going to give you the rushing. What I really like about Lamar, in addition to rushing as always, is even though the Vikings are a pretty good defense, especially in terms of fantasy points allowed to quarterback, one of the ways that you've been able to beat them is with the deep ball. If we look at QBR allowed based on air yards, they're 19th in QBR allowed uh, on deep throws, top 10 on both intermediate and short throws. Lamar's the only quarterback with uh, intended air yards above uh, 10 yards per throw. So he throws it deeper more often than any other quarterback. And I, I like him and his deep pass catchers in this one against Minnesota. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we talk about this Vikings defense and like on paper, they look like a pretty good defense. But we know that they've lost Neil Hunter. They've lost Patrick Peterson. He's on IR. Peterson might come back at some point. You know, Rashad Breeland, I think, got hurt for stretches of that Cowboys game. And he already wasn't a very good player. Cam Dancer gives up the game winning touchdown to Amari Cooper. Like, I think this is a very beatable secondary. And Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball at a higher rate. You know, I I would say they're almost trending towards being more of a pass first team which is pretty yep. exciting which is yeah, pretty exciting really, really exciting really exciting it's extremely exciting and best news of all in order for this to be like more of a back and forth shoot because i don't think the ravens defense they're like quietly not that good either um right. we're getting kirk cousins on a 1 p.m <laughs> eastern time game 10 a.m yeah. on the west coast hidden away from all the eyeballs like what a, <laughs> yeah. i mean classic yeah. freaking let down kirk cousins spot on halloween uh you know, watching him on Sunday night against Cooper Rush. It's like, okay, this is a classic Kirk Cousins puke on his shoes moment. Uh, Yeah, so give me the narrative on that one going back on the 1 p.m. hidden from all the eyeballs. I I love this game from a fantasy angle, and I know that we are going to be talking about it more. I will go with a quarterback who is going to come off IR. It's Tyrod Taylor. He's mm-hmm. going to start again. $24 for Tyrod Taylor. Great salary there. Uh, The Dolphins' defense 
not only have they been one of the most disappointing units in the entire NFL, they're also one of the most man coverage heavy units in the NFL. We know that man coverage uh, defenses are a big benefit to rushing quarterbacks. Obviously, defenders turn their backs to a quarterback in man coverage. I think Tyrod, who was great in fantasy through the first two weeks, is like he's right back in play at this salary. Yeah, and even though Brandon Cooks did have a good game last week, it's just been so inconsistent um, with Davis Mills in there. So I like Tyrod Taylor. I especially like the prospects of Brandon Cooks getting Tyrod Taylor back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooks, even though it was only two games, was averaging just under 20 Yahoo points in those games with Taylor. Um, Cooks' usage has waned a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but I just really like this combo in a game where Houston still is, even with Tyrod Taylor announced as a starter, still is like a six-and-a-half-point underdog. So they should have to throw against this bad Miami secondary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really like that game uh, from a fantasy angle as well, kind of sneakily. Let's talk about running backs. Um, I, we're going to talk about this uh, Chargers-Eagles game a couple times here, but uh, talk about Austin Eckler in this one. Yeah, this game just in general is, I think, a really exciting one for me. It's one that that really paces up, but I think one that people are going to have trouble uh, figuring out because both defenses really funnel uh, points to the running back. So that's obviously why I, I like Austin Eckler here. The Eagles are, are top five in schedule, just to points allowed to quarterbacks and wide receivers, but they're 28th against running backs. Uh, if we look at Austin Eckler uh, over the, the last month, he's been like up there with pretty much any running back in terms of use. Usage. He's second in high value touches per game. That's a metric that we use on on four for four that looks at uh, um, receptions plus touches inside the 10 yard line. He's one of seven backs with at least 75 percent of his backfield touches over that month. And that includes 7.3 targets per game. What I, I really like about Eckler and, and I'll get to this point for other players in the Chargers offense uh, later Coming out of the bye week, he was heavily featured in the passing, and we saw a a very um, unique-looking chart. Not unique, but just something we haven't seen a lot of the Chargers passing game, and and part of that was heavily featuring Austin Eckler in the passing game coming out of the bye, and I I think... uh, it's it's probably a little bit anecdotal, but those changes coming out of the bye just always seem to kind of yeah. trend to, to sticking. Um, so I, I like seeing that. He is our top value at 4-for-4 four four at the position. And you mentioned a, a team that you can stack the quarterback with here uh, because Philly does kind of push everything underneath and does filter points to running backs. I do think Herbert can have a fine game, but this is a, a spot where I think it is okay to stack your quarterback with your running back if you're going to target this one. Yeah, McCaffrey, Kamara, Chubb, Cook, Cook, and uh, Austin Eckler are the same salary. But I mean, yeah, I would probably take Eckler above all of those players going into this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, cost adjusted. Yeah, I, I totally get it. How many running backs would you rather have in season long, like for the rest of the season, than Austin Eckler right now? Whew, I I mean, I I guess maybe Dalvin and CMC, maybe, and, and it, it's that's not even like a, a slam dunk. And no. I mean, Kamara Kim- is. I'm super nervous about Kamara because we've seen what his splits look like with Taysom before, right? Yep. So I, I don't really know if there's like, there's maybe two and it might be zero. Well, I'd put Zeke in the category too. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So those three, I think those are the only three that you'd probably think of right now. Eckler is in that mix. But I mean, but even Zeke, even though, I mean, the, the Zeke is. Zeke is like his his touches per game are are up there twenty two touches over the last month. I mean, my my concern is like touch shares always make me a little bit nervous because Tony Pollard does get touch share, and yep. then on on any given like week, they can just use their wide receivers. They're getting Michael Gallup back. I know CD yeah. hurt right now, but they have three capable pass catchers and a capable tight end. So there's just so many players on Dallas that like even though Zeke is getting that that absolute work like the 20 touches per game i it always just kind of feels like any given week it could be a 12 touch game yep i think that's possible it's just at the same time it's like he's attached to probably one of the yeah. two or three best <laughs> sure. offenses in the nfl yeah. like is there is there anybody more likely to score a touchdown on a given week than zeke elliott mm-hmm. yeah. like i don't know so yeah I, i'm i'm definitely a. I've been a big Zeke guy throughout this entire process, and I, I remain that sure. way. Even though I had a little bit of like a freak out there after like weeks two or three or whatever, but we are <laughs> yeah. we are feeling we're feeling pretty good about Zeke. But yeah, like that to, to the point though that Eckler, he's pretty much up there the rest of the way. Um, uh, by the way, my running back pick this week is is Zeke Elliott at twenty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is uh, the type of matchup to use Ezekiel Elliott. You know, Dallas is a heavy favorite over. Uh, you know, I, Dak's going to play, so we don't have to worry about that going into this week. That's already been announced. Um, you know, we've got 
the Cowboys with the third highest implied team total on the week. You know, again, is there any player more likely to score a touchdown on a given week? No, uh, they're at home against a bad Broncos team. Like this is a spot where I think, you know, and with the injuries to the wide receivers, I don't know. Is Gallup going to play in this game? I don't know yet. Um, it, yeah. Do you know? For, do you know? Do you, uh, have you seen? It sounded like he's training towards coming back, but then yeah. now CD with the sprained ankle exactly. on, on Wednesday. I mean, it just makes it, see, it yeah. feels like it's just going to be all the running backs right six of one half dozen the other like either way it looks like we're going to get uh one of these wide receivers to miss and then if Gallup's out there at like you know 80 percent or whatever um we're definitely trending towards like uh, establish the hell out of the run and that's like the Cowboys have shown uh that they have no problem doing that this year this looks like a great spot to make Zeke like your core play uh I love him almost as much he might be my number one guy this week and then Eckler I think is right there so um we shall see uh give me your second running back pick uh, Devonte Booker might be the most mispriced player on the slate, uh, all the way down at fifteen dollars. He he projects as the running back thirteen on four for four, but he's priced as the RB twenty six per salary. Uh, over the last month, he's one of four running backs with at least eighty percent of his team's backfield touches. And even though the the Giants are underdogs, um, they're at home. They're playing a Raiders team that is 26 against running backs when adjusted for strength of schedule. And teams are running against the Raiders at the eighth highest rate in neutral situations. So Booker should uh, turn that backfield share into possibly a 20-touch game. And then I, I mentioned up at top, I have been looking for those running back, opposing pass catcher, mini stacks. I really like this game for that. One for it could either be Hunter Renfro or uh, Darren Waller, but either way, I think they both uh, project really nicely as as a mini correlation with Devontae Booker. I don't mind Brian Edwards either, but he's thinner just because yeah. he's more of the high A dot guy, and obviously with Rugs out of the mix, uh, it, yeah. they are going to need somebody to step up from the vertical game. But I think you're probably safer betting on Waller or uh, Renfro in this spot. Um, obviously, Saquon Barkley as of we're taping this is still on the COVID list. We shall see if he comes off, but he's also coming off an injury too. So it's like, Hey, and it's a revenge game for Devontae right. Booker who was with the Raiders last year. Oh yeah. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That's what everybody needed to know. I've got a $17 guy here in Boston. Scott, uh, the Eagles are facing the chargers. Little nervous that the Eagles could get cracked here. Uh, I love mm -hmm. the chargers matchup with the, uh, with the Eagles defense. I know we're going to talk about that from a passing game standpoint here in just a minute. So we don't have to dive into that, but the chargers are the 32nd ranked run defense in DVOA. Uh, they are terrible from an explosive play rate allowed. Uh, they're 21st in explosive run rate allowed. Like you can run the hell out of uh, this Chargers defense and Boston Scott. Like if you look at the final box score, for the Eagles running backs, it kind of looks close. Um, Jordan Howard scores twice. Kenny Gainwell gets, I think, 12 carries. But like all of the, almost all of those 12 carries for Kenny Gainwell came in pure garbage time. Like Boston Scott was the early down rusher. So even if this game is competitive for, you know, a quarter and a half or two quarters, and I, I really don't know that the Chargers are in a position to run away from anybody right now as, as bad as some of those matchups are with the with the uh, Eagles there. I think Boston Scott can can repay his salary uh, in, like I said, two quarters. Yep, and, and on, on Yahoo and half PPR scoring, we should be chasing touchdowns as much as possible. Um, Boston Scott, he got two last week, I believe, and this is the only game with an over-under of at least 50 points. The spread's only one and a half, so if the game's going to shoot out, but both teams limit like the, the outside receivers, somebody's going to have to score the points, right? So it just makes a lot of sense that it's going to be the running backs, or at least some of the uh, points are going to go to the running backs. Yep, absolutely. Uh, totally makes sense there. Okay, let's talk wide receivers. We talked mm -hmm. with the Cowboys a few times. Your top pick is one of the non-banged up uh, Cowboys receivers. Uh, yeah, one of the only ones, Amari Cooper, <laughs> down at twenty two dollars. And even before, even before CD Lamb popped up on the injury report, with I don't know if they're calling it a sprained ankle or tweaked ankle, whatever it was on Wednesday. Is recording this Thursday when they when they started practice. I think he was uh was I don't know if he was a DNP or, or just uh, on the bike or something like that. But it's it's very unclear if CD Lamb is going to be available. But like I said, even before CD popped up, we know we're getting Dak Prescott back. We have Amari Cooper priced $4 below CD Lamb, where they're basically averaging the same targets per game. Now, I know Amari's targets have been a little bit more volatile, big target numbers week one and then in week eight, kind of fluctuating in between where CDs have been a little more consistent. But if you're getting a $4 discount on it, I think you, you take the risk. And then in his recent usage, 
going back to another four for four metric, looking at our breakout model, expected fantasy points per game. He's second among all pass catchers over his last three games. One thing to just really note about this game, whether you're talking about Zeke or Amari Cooper, Denver's pass rush just got worse because they traded Von Miller. So the kind of all around that how that trickles to the rest of the defense and, and what that impacts and how teams can attack them. I think you kind of just have to throw all of Denver's, not all of, but a lot of Denver's defensive numbers out the window because when you lose your elite pass rusher, that just kind of throws a huge mm-hmm. chink in the armor of your defense. Um, so that's obviously going to uh, impact the passing game, help out Dak and getting the ball to his pass catchers. But I think it could help out Zeke as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a trickle-down effect. And I mean, even just like every single week they've gotten like worse and worse from a defensive mm-hmm. personnel perspective like they were expected to be this great cornerback room and like they'd barely <laughs> yeah. play kyle fuller anymore and like we're trying to yeah. chip him off at the deadline too and everybody's <laughs> like yeah no thanks um so yeah i think it's a great it's a great matchup for amari cooper as well totally understand that pick i am going to go back to that ravens vikings game here and i'm going to talk about marquise brown uh marquise brown's just getting absurd like air yard usage uh and, and like that vertical looks like i love how much they target him out of the slot so basically whether he sees Mackenzie Alexander, who allows like a 69% catch rate and coverage in the slot, that's a great matchup. Whether he gets Cam da- Cam Dantzler, um, that's a great matchup too. Um, this Viking secondary is just not what we would expect. I have no problem paying the 23 bucks for uh, Marquise Brown, whether you want to run him back with Lamar or not. Yeah, I, I already talked about why I like Lamar just because of how you can attack Minnesota deep and just be like Marquise Brown. He's up near the top in terms of expected fantasy points. Hasn't been putting up big fantasy numbers. So even though he's a fantastic play and people are going to be on Lamar, I think people are going to look at Rashad Bateman, look at Mark Andrews. And, and I think you could get uh, Marquise Brown at, at a huge roster discount this week, like maybe even single digit roster rate. Yeah, I mean, and also you look at the guys around him, too. I think there are players that people will really want to be clicking on there around uh, Marquise Brown, like looking at him at that $23 range. That's where both Chargers receivers are. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, Amari Cooper, just uh, one buck shallow there at 22. Um, So I I always like to kind of look at that, like the players around them, the grouping there. And like there's a lot of guys that I think people will prefer to click on in that range than uh, Marquise Brown. I still think like, you know, people will look at the $23 Marquise Brown, like but people don't give Marquise Brown the respect that he uh, deserves, especially for the way that he's played this year. All right. Who's your second wide receiver pick? Uh, Jarvis Landry down at $16. He um, obviously all of the news about um, Odell not being there. Uh, we, we know he's going to uh, take on probably at least maintain his workload, maybe get a bigger workload. Landry already saw 25% of the team's targets in the last two weeks since returning from injury, uh, 18 total targets in that span. He's another player that he's a breakout candidate. According to the four for four breakout model, he's scoring about two to three fantasy points per game uh, under expectation over the last month. Cincinnati's 27th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And, and where they've been really weak is against intermediate passes. They've actually been pretty good at limiting deep targets and with um, with Odell out it's going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones and then some mix of, of Rashad Higgins and Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz actually saw the biggest bump in routes to run in the first two weeks with uh, with Odell Beckham out. All that's just to say DPJ and Schwartz are guys that have very very high A dots so if Cincinnati continues that trend of limiting the deep ball it would make sense that a lot of the passes are filtered to Landry. Yeah, I mean, investing in the Browns passing game just makes me nervous <laughs> right now. Sure. <laughs> um, with the way uh, Baker's playing with his harness yeah. on there. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but, well, if you're if you're if you're harnessed, what you're going to do is throw to your your short guy. Right. And I know, guess, guess Jarvis, Jarvis isn't as as much of a short guy as he used to be, but he's still the intermediate guy. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, yeah, if somebody could crack up like seven catches for 66 yards at 16 mm-hmm. bucks, I guess you. You could do you could do worse. All right, well, Jarvis. Let me get... Jarvis, you can do worse, Landry. Uh, that's probably <laughs> how we're gonna feel for the rest of the season with old Jarvis Landry. But um, that's fine. He's basically been that guy like what forever. The sure. uh, you could do worse player. But listen, you couldn't have done much worse if you drafted Brandon Ayuk in the fifth, fifth or sixth round this year. And I say that as somebody that drafted Brandon Ayuk in a lot of fifth <laughs> yeah, and sixth yeah. rounds. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he's kind of back, bro. Like Brandon Ayuk kinda, is is kind of back. Is kind of back. Eighty eight percent of the snaps last week. Uh, ran a route on ninety seven percent of the dropbacks. Um, actually ran more routes than Debo Samuel. Seven targets. Got the two point conversion. Also, most important metric. Got the uh, plus one compliment from Kyle Shanahan in the postgame presser. Said that was his best game. Boy, he was out there grinding. All right. He was he was grinding in practice. He was grinding in the game. He was blocking his ass off for Debo Samuel's big catch and run. That's what you do. Shanahan and Ayuk are friends again. They are. They're at least exchanging text messages. He knows he's a person. That's great to see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this game could be if as long as like it kind of depends, right? Because Kyler's not 100 percent healthy either way coming into this game, like from a fantasy angle. But, you know, Brandon Ayuk, by the way, I'm saying all this. He's eleven dollars. I almost went yes. with Christian Kirk in the same uh, matchup because and mm. I think that Christian Kirk is definitely in play, too, because, uh, you know, everybody want to play Rondale Moore, whatever. Uh, but, you know, A.J. Green being out, I think that could move Christian Kirk into more of an outside position, which he's done a little bit before you prefer him in the slot. But still, um, you know, you also DeAndre Hopkins might not play in this game either. Uh, so there's a lot of wide receiver value. But I did at least want to bring up Brandon Ayuk as a guy that if you are willing to throw the dart, could pay could pay back an eleven dollars salary. I mean, come on, give me yeah. And there's there's actually a lot of like fluctuation in what to expect out of this game. And I think when by the time we get to kickoff on Sunday, a lot of people might just be avoiding all of these players because we Debo uh, was a was a late injury guy this week. Um, we don't know if yeah. we're getting Kittle. We don't know if we're getting Kittle back yet this week. We're still waiting on that. Um, we don't know if Kyler's playing, so that's going to affect the game flow on both sides. So if all of these things end up being game time decisions, even if they are ruled out, if it's if it's a late 8.30 a.m. Pacific time announcement on the inactives that any of these guys are out, we still might not see IU can get pumped up as a popular guy because people are just really bad at uh, reacting to late news. So I... I really hope for the sake of the Ayuk play that we either do get Debo active or at least have a game time decision because I don't want Ayuk as like a popular play. I want to play him when he's not popular. So hopefully, hopefully everybody's active this week. I will say too, and I don't need to do another beer bet on this one for his (laughs) roster rate, but dude, people, people are in their feelings about the Brandon Ayuk thing. And I totally get it as like the chief hype, train officer for Brandon Ayuk this offseason if anybody's heard about people's feelings it's me um so people people hate the whole Brandon Ayuk thing they're gonna want to see it before they believe it but this is one of those situations with especially because allow me to be on the narrative train here for one second the one thing as people were talking about oh Kyle Shanahan obviously hates Brandon Ayuk yada yada the one consistent thing that Shanahan and John Lynch have said about Brandon Ayuk is we need like we do need Brandon Ayuk to show up at some mm-hmm. point like we need him to show up so if he if they feel that they saw what they needed after last game and things are all copacetic there I think we could get um you know if Debo's hurt if Kittle's not back this is the week and one thing that I just from a, a weekly lineup building perspective, going all the way back to what we said about Josh Allen up at $40, one reason that we haven't been able to play these $39, $40 players is it's just very rare that we have like slam dunk players we can trust 12 11 even $10. We have a lot of those guys. We've already mentioned a, a $15 um, uh, Devontae Booker. Uh, Ayuk at $11. We have a couple more players coming up that are around 10, 11 bucks. So there are players this week that are sub 15 that let you get up to a Josh Allen like Ayuk. Trust in Brandon Ayuk back in the same sentence. What could possibly, <laughs> possibly go wrong for us? All right, let's move to tight ends. And before we talk about some of those less expensive plays, let's talk uh, the top guys. Mm-hmm. I, I already talked about Devontae Booker. I'm going to stay in that game. I mentioned it's a good game to uh, to stack with the pass catchers, and I really like Darren Waller uh, in that respect. And it, he's he's an interesting player. And and this is something that I just started doing the last couple of weeks, and I probably should have been doing all season. But it's 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 really easy to look at like points against a position and say it's a good or a bad matchup. But when we put things in context, like we can with Darren Waller. Giants are 12th against tight ends when adjusted for strength of schedule, but they're 22nd against wide receivers. They limit the deep balls. We already talked about Brian Edwards and Zay Jones' high average depth of target, guys. Darren Waller lines up like a wide receiver, like 60% of the time. Over 60% of his routes are run from the slot or out wide. So we got to be careful just like looking at tight end numbers, right? So they're 22nd against wide receivers. They're 
bad against intermediate passes where Waller's going to run most of his routes compared to Zay Jones and Brian Edwards. I'm assuming Zay Jones is is starting with Henry Ruggs out. And then uh, Darren Waller is fourth among tight ends in expected touchdowns per game, according to the air yards at. So I like him uh, in the spot against the Giants. I I think the, the way to beat the Giants is in the intermediate passing game that obviously fits Waller's game a lot. He's going to get red zone looks. Uh, the Raiders have a decent implied point total right under 25, and you're getting Waller at a discount coming, uh, ha- hasn't played in, in three weeks, um, including the Raiders by $23. He opened the season at $28. He got all the way up to $29. So I think that's closer to where his true salary should be. So let's get Waller at 23 bucks while we can. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's a great point about like the wide receivers who line up as uh, or tight ends who line up at mm-hmm. wide receiver. I, I almost picked Kyle Pitts at twenty one dollars, mm-hmm. uh, the fifth most expensive tight end this week. But that kind of pushed me off that a little bit. I will admit to being mildly concerned about the fact that, you know, it, intuitively, we want our tight ends to kind of line up in this wide receiver type way, right? I think he is like Kyle Pitts the last few weeks under 20% snaps in line right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at him as more of just a pure wide receiver. And that is problematic when you're the only threat in the passing game right now because sure. Calvin sure. Ridley's gone. And, you know, yep. Kyle Pitts even said something about it. Like, you know, Stefan Gilmore for the Panthers was lining up over him yeah. uh, last week. He said, you know, there's were two there, you know, seeing more guys lined over top of me was, uh, you know, kind of a welcome to the NFL moment. And like, yep. I don't I don't know that that's going to stop us in this matchup against the Saints this week. You know, they've got a lot of guys in like Marshawn Lattimore, um, CJ Gardner Johnson, who could, uh, you know, be all over him there. So I don't know, man, that that wait. Is, so like, you're saying you're saying they're not going to use Marshawn Lattimore and Tajay Sharp? I well, there's sure not is going to be. Sure as hell not going to use him on Russell Gage. Maybe they'll shatter him with the Cordero Patterson there. Dude, Tajay Sharp? What are we we doing? I don't know. I don't know. What are we we doing here? How did they not go go sign John Brown or something? Unless he's like totally toast, which maybe he is, which makes me sad. Probably is. I mean, he couldn't even hang on the frigging Broncos roster. What am I doing? Uh, All right. (laughs) I talked about Kyle Pitts a lot to not talk about Kyle Pitts here as a uh, play of mine. Uh, My guy here is Mike Gusecki. The Texans are one of the worst in terms of schedule adjusted points allowed to uh, tight ends. They have been all year. And I think Gusecki is in the same, a similar range there of what I talked about uh, with Marquise Brown, where, you know, he's sandwiched between Kyle Pitts as the only guy in town for the Falcons. He's sandwiched there with uh, Darren Waller at the tight end spot. Even Mark Andrews, obviously same uh, salary as Darren Waller. I don't think many people will be clicking on Gusecki, but I still think he's a very good play uh, in this matchup with the Texans. A really good play and another guy that is um, after Kyle Pitts. He's like the tight end that runs um, routes on the outside over 80%. If we look at uh, routes run from the slot and from the outside. So uh, Gasecki, even though um, Houston is bad against tight ends, they're almost as bad against wide receivers. They're just bad, they're just bad. on defense, period. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so so no matter where, where Gasecki lines up. I, and I actually almost went with Tua as my cheap quarterback um, just because of like the, the Simeon might be involved with the Saints, but I, I just couldn't pass yeah. up talking about Taysom. But like just th- this whole passing game is, is in a good spot this week dude i mean is there any sort of revenge narrative we can have here that uh you know that the damn texans didn't trade deshaun watson and now like Tua? apparently they didn't even want Tua. it was like that was part of the negotiation it was like yeah we'll take all your picks but don't give us Tua. don't yeah, that's, don't so there's that's rough it's a it's if uh Tua had any aaron Rodgers like tom brady pettiness in him maybe he can get up for this matchup against the texans I don't know. No, poor, poor Tua just getting treated like the bridesmaid left and right. I feel bad never for the bride. Tua. Never, literally never the bride. And it feels for the bride. <laughs> and by the way, this bride came back from like a devastating hip injury. I know. I mean, let's go to a let her wear, let her wear her dress for God's sake. Someone give her a dress. <laughs> the hell am I talking about? Uh, all right. Save me, TJ. Save me. I'll talk save about, you. I'll, sa- talk I'll about, save you. Uh, with- yeah. Alvaro Kuye Boonham, our ten dollar tight it. end, stepping in for Noah. I've practiced like a good forty five times before the podcast. Well, um, thank God, though. No, by the way, because he was going to be my pick, and I was like, I didn't did I not practice, want, and I saw you did it on the outline. I was like, whoo, buddy, there we go. 
There we go. Noah Fant is on the reserve COVID list. Uh, Fant's uh, garnered the fourth most targets among tight ends this week. And Albert O should be able to step right in to that role. He's he's actually really a, a freak athlete that hasn't been talked about a lot because his, he's been behind uh, Noah Fant. But he's a guy that uh, coming out ran a 4-4-9-40. That's 90th, uh, 99th percentile, 99th percentile speed score, 86th percentile dominator rating, 90th percentile breakout age. Those are all of the metrics that player profile looks at for breakouts. He's like one of these super rare, like these Titans we talked about, that can play wide receiver. If we look at comps, like he's his size, his speed, how he's used, his breakout age, his dominator. He's kind of a discount Kyle Pitts. Now, obviously, yeah. that's super, that's obviously super high praise, but this is just a really tall, really fast, really good pass catching uh, tight end. Uh, so if he can even, you know, if he can match, obviously, the, the Broncos are back at full strength with all of their wide receivers healthy, but if he can even come close to to Noah Fant's uh, volume at ten bucks, you you got a huge discount against a Dallas team that teams are throwing at the fifth highest rate in neutral situations against. Yeah, um, I love it, dude. He's kind of he's good. I think he's good. Yeah. I think if like Noah Fant wasn't there. Like we'd be talking about him as a as a legit starting tight end. Yeah, and I like these players that like obviously he's not going to start with Noah Fant, but he's a player that since he got drafted last year they have found ways to get him off the on the field. Obviously he's not you know he's not getting five or six targets a game, but he's had a couple of games where he's found the end zone where they've used him on the field as, as the same time as Fant. So he's a player that they have sparsely got involved when they can, and now he's got a chance to start. I love it. Totally makes sense there. That's a good call. Uh, I he I think he's the best, you know, punt play tight end. Uh, number mm-hmm. two there for me is Dan Arnold at just 13 bucks. Uh, Dan Arnold, number two on the Jag, number three in routes run on the Jaguar since week five. Number two in targets behind only, wait for it, Jamal Agnew. Um, <laughs> dude, TJ. Taught is, myself to play wide receiver Jamal Agnew. Yeah, like watching Doug Baldwin clips on YouTube taught himself how to play like that's that's the dream right there i mean he's a, yeah he, he was playing cornerback before okay so like let's yeah. not act like he was me like and i just became an nfl wide receiver or something um <laughs> <laughs> i got the size but maybe not the uh maybe not the, my knees shot that's the problem otherwise i could totally do it <laughs> that's the one uh, thing that's holding the, you back that's the that one, one thing. knee that's the one yeah the one knee by the way, I just built myself a standing desk and uh, like landed hard on the on an Allen wrench on mm-hmm. the knee. So I definitely could not uh, definitely yeah. couldn't do it right now. Yeah, I mean, all, all of those receivers that have been out because of Allen wrenches in the past, really, mm-hmm. um, you remind me of all of them. Uh, someone told me that was why uh, Allen Robinson's having a slow start. He had an Allen wrench issue. Okay, in the pod. <laughs> get out of here all right anyways uh by the way yeah jamal agnew is the guy we might need to talk about at some point like he might be kind of sort of a thing um but dan arnold definitely a thing at the tight end position uh 20 targets as i mentioned since week five second on the team he's legit the only thing that like i do kind of worry about is uh you know freaking jaguars are going to be in straight garbage time against the bills this week like how efficient will that be from a passing perspective um it doesn't make you want to play trevor lawrence that's for sure but uh, I worry that the Bills defense is just so, so good that they might yep. even be able to stifle garbage time points, but I'm willing to take the risk here with Dan Arnold. Yeah, that's that's the concern for me with the Bills and the reason that I, I wasn't running back any Dolphins against them last week is their defense is just so good. But, I mean, we really did not plan on talking about all these tight ends that line up outside, but we talked about uh, yeah. Gasicki, we talked about Pitts. The only other tight end running at least 80% of their routes from the slot or outside is Dan Arnold. Yep. No, that guy's like a legit receiver, too. All right, let's move uh, to defense, which no one cares about. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you should care about it, but this week you don't have to care too much because you could uh, you can just pay all the way down uh, for $11 and play the Chiefs against the Packers as seven and a half point favorites without Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I, I, I don't I think the field is pretty much sharp enough at this point to understand that even though the Chiefs aren't a real life, uh, good real life defense that at 11 bucks, you just play them as big favorites against the Packers. I mean, if you do have a little bit of concern, 
they added Melvin Ingram this week, which I mean, Melvin Ingram isn't like he's not balling, but he is an added piece to a defense that's he's struggling, a real player. And, and he's a real player. And at maybe at the very least, like Chris Jones gets to move back to permanent defensive tackle, stay on the inside, yeah. and help slow down the run, which probably Green Bay tries to run as much as possible this week. So if Jones could stifle that, Ingram could get pressure in a game where the Chiefs should be able to get up big. Uh, the Chiefs, even though even if they stay bad, they can have a good game this week. Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are the play almost across the board here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that gives me any pause is hashtag Packers privilege and that uh, Jordan Love <laughs> will obviously be a future Hall of Famer the second he hits the field. Yes. And, um, you know, the Packers uh, fans who want to have some faux outrage that they're a, su- a suffering franchise this week, mm-hmm. they got to have their five days in the sunlight uh, there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't want to play the Chiefs and you want to be like contrarian and pay all the way up, I do think the Patriots are a good job, a, a good mm-hmm. spot there. And the only analysis you need is uh, Sam. Darnold so and he's not who might probably not play might not even play and then you got sure. PJ Walker who's like not been good in relief at any point this year so right. hats out to hats off to you there if you want to pay up for the Patriots uh let's talk flex pay let's talk flex plays here and um your guy Keenan Allen is someone I've wanted to talk about all podcasts uh he and he's a player that I I don't He's definitely not going to pop on a lot of value reports because, as I mentioned before, I think people a lot of people are going to look at that fantasy points allowed to the position number, not give him a lot of credence, think it's going to be a, a huge um, Austin Eckler game. This is this game is setting up really nicely for Keenan Allen. He has Agreed. a 25% target share on the season. But again, going back to that point of coming out of the bye, we saw the Chargers uh, feature Allen heavily, gave him 32% of the targets. And obviously we know that he gets a ton of his targets from the slot 17th in the league um, in routes run from the slot. Philadelphia, they're middle of the, even though they're really good against wide receivers as a whole, middle of the pack in terms of yards per attempt allowed to slot receivers. And something that, I, I don't know. I think Mike Williams got hurt a couple weeks ago, so I think people are giving him a, a pass. He had a huge first three games. They just, after week three, they just completely went back to Mike Williams' run straight and fast. His A dot went through the roof in week four, and his target share plummeted except for one game. Teams throw at the second low, throw deep at the second lowest rate against Philly. So I, I don't know why they changed it, but they definitely stopped having Mike Williams like being used in every single capacity like they did the first three weeks and went back to like run fast Mike and we'll throw it to you when we can. Yeah, I think the reason that they went back to that and I won't go too long here because I wrote about Mm -hmm. this for my uh, Friday column. So if people Mm -hmm. want kind of the deep dive on this, you can go check that out. Uh, It'll be obviously posted by the time you're listening to this. Like they need a vertical threat in that offense. Sure. Like I think I yeah. think they should sign Deshaun Jackson right now mm-hmm. because they need like yeah. some speed there. And I think that's why they've changed Mike Williams' role. Cause it's like, oh, it's so cute when he has this nine yard A dot, but like everything for the Chargers is happening in this tiny yeah. little box on the field because mm-hmm. Austin Eckler is a short area receiver. Keenan Allen's kind of a short area receiver. And like Justin Herbert's like 17th in air yards per target. Like, and he's Justin yeah. Herbert. That shouldn't happen. It hasn't sure. quite happened. With Mike Williams yet, it might happen at some point. But either way, I do agree that Keenan Allen against a defense um, that allows the lowest A dot in the league and the highest completion percentage in the league, because like the Eagles defense, much like the Chargers want to be like run all over us and teams can just Mm -hmm. they've been quite content to just run all over them. Um, The Eagles have been like, yeah, just pass short on us. It's fine. Like, we'll, we'll give you some cushion. We play a ton of zone coverage and teams have been more than happy except the Lions. To just go ahead and do that. So, uh, yeah, I think that Keenan Allen's a great play. Also, think Justin Jefferson's a great play at twenty five dollars. Uh, he's my flex play in this one, and like you know, all the usage is there for Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, he's coming off a bad game in prime time. Uh, maybe that pushes down his roster ship rate. But yeah, I love running back somebody from this Vikings offense uh, against a, you know a Ravens defense has been hit or miss, and Lamar and Hollywood Brown should be going off here. Yeah, I like this game for. Um, I don't know if it there. I don't know if it's a full stat game for me. I definitely think like a, a Marquise Justin Jefferson mini is in play. Um, and then you you talked about looking at the players that are kind of around salary of your favorite players. Stefan Diggs is only two more dollars. If CD plays, he's only one more dollar. Uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen right below that. And, and I think a game that's really going to get pumped up. So Justin Jefferson can be a, a, a very low rostered player in a very uh, intriguing game. Love it. All right. Let's be negative and talk about some fades here. 
my favorite thing to do. Um, Zach Moss is a player that I, I think in this game where the Bills are huge favorites, people are going to say Zach Moss finally got the usage of an RB1, two-thirds of the snaps, two-thirds of the touches, blah, blah, blah. We've seen this story before. One, Josh Allen is going to throw a ton. He's going to steal red zone touches. This is a team that wants to pass, wants to lean on Josh Allen as much as possible. Sure, they do have, you know, they have given Zach Moss the ball a bit, but they'll just flip it on a dime or at the very worst, go back to a 50-50 split yep. um, if they're just caught up in that flow. So, I I mean, Zach Moss is, he's a great play if you're going to get him at, at sub 10%, but I think he's going to end up being one of the more popular players on the slate just because we don't have a lot of crazy game flows to attack. We don't have a lot of huge favorites. We don't even have that many high implied point totals. So I think people are just going to kind of uh, gravitate towards Moss and it's just uh, it's the perfect play to, to bite you. Yeah, and we're talking about like the Bills uh, being kind of hashtag due for a big old, uh, you know, passing game outing. Mm -hmm. Jacksonville's 32nd in pass defense DVOA. They're 14th in rush defense DVOA. So like, obviously, when you're playing Zach Moss, you're counting on game script and you're which should be great here. And you're counting on touchdown equity, which should be great here. But still, I agree with your call there. I am going to go against the Packers privilege narrative that I just talked about. And I'm going to. I'm going to gulp and like fade a running back against the Chiefs defense, which I hate to do. Uh, but Aaron Jones at $30. We've talked a lot about Austin Eckler, how much we like him. We talked a lot about Zeke Elliott at $29, like those two guys. You know, Aaron Jones right in that same range. I think I'm just going to pass on the idea. Like, because I know what the narrative is going to be. Oh, they're just going to turn around and hand the ball to old uh, a a Aaron Jones, you know. 30 times in this game against a bad run defense. You know, you're playing with fire with that kind of game script with Jordan Love. So I'm going to fade Aaron Jones. If I want to do that, if I want to play into that narrative, then I'll just pay for A.J. Dillon at $16 if they're just going to really be able to establish the hell out of the run. Yeah, I, I I would almost argue that it's a negative that they're just going to turn around and, and keep giving it to Aaron Jones because even the worst defenses in the league can stay, all right, well, we're going to do everything we can to make you beat us with um, with Jordan Love. And and again, going back to the point I made about the Chiefs defense, um, I, I don't think it should be understated that like having Chris Jones just stay on the inside and not have to move around the line could could help them at least a little bit. Yeah, and Aaron Jones is not a guy like his two highest carry games have come. They were like, you know, way, all the way back in September. So like he's yeah. a guy that's not getting like he's not going to get a Zeke Elliott workload. He's not even going to get like an Austin Eckler workload. He can definitely be used as a receiver like he was with 11 targets last week. But that's a lot of juiced up because of the COVID injury, the COVID situation with the wide receivers and also Aaron Rodgers being in there. I don't know that Jordan Love is going to be able to creatively use uh, Aaron Jones exactly. as a receiver. So there's a lot of paths to the fade there. TJ, we've given a lot of people paths to win this week, uh, but I think the yes. biggest thing that they have to do if they're going to try to win is they got to be listening to DFS MVP. So uh, tell the people all about it. Yeah, if you want to, if you're listening to this on Saturday and want to get my last thoughts, check out the 444 Discord chat. The last look, um, go to 444 and sign up for the Discord channel for that. Uh, if you want to get uh, my, my thoughts before this, Check out every Friday. We do a live stream on YouTube looking at values across the industry. And then every Monday, we have a cash game review as well to get our look back on the week. Boom. We'd love to see it. If you found this podcast via the DFS MVP feed and you already knew about all that, give a subscribe to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, wherever, which is a podcast, by the way, uh, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, we got a lot of different shows going on there. I'm on a couple times a week. In addition to this show with Liz Loza recapping games on Sunday and Dalton Del Don for our stat nerd Thursday podcast. Uh, last this week was a banger. So go check that one out. Um, we covered a lot of news. There was a lot going on this week. So it was quite a time there. That's going to do it for us. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. That's at TJ Hernandez on Twitter. Check the entire crew out at Yahoo Fantasy. We are out.